Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Operate Intelligently podcast. I'm Grace Flack. I've been the producer of the podcast for the past few years, and I've been working on this extra special three-part series for all of you on all things Year of the Dude for our 20th birthday year. So we get to share a little bit about the work we do, how Dude Solutions got started, if you've ever wondered what we do, who we serve, why the dude name, that's a popular question that we're going to get answered in the podcast. There's just a lot of great stories, funny, heartwarming, and you'll really just get to learn a lot more about Dude Solutions from some longtime dude employees. We've got folks who've been working here, you know, the whole time, 20 years to 10 to 15 And they have some really unique perspectives on what's made the company special and how we can move forward as well. And then make sure you tune in for the next two episodes uh, over the next four weeks to get the rest of the story about what makes the dude unique, um, learn a little bit more here from our clients, and then also what's the future of operations management in our company? Where's technology going? So we're going to answer all those questions. It's going to be a super fun ride and full of memories, so you do not want to miss out, but So excited to get this to you. So let's get started with the history of the dude kicked off by co-founder Lee Prevo. Uh, Kent and I started working on this project in, we we called it the uh, school M&O, you know, project at the time. We we started in, in, uh, I, I recall summer, fall of 99. And so I came into the business, you know, uh, even before we incorporated we formally incorporated, as I recall, January of 2000, and uh, our first couple of hires were, you know, Scott Carpenter and, and Joan uh, and also Lynn Boswell. What's interesting is is um, many of us worked together. I had the, the distinct um, fortune to work with Kent and Carsey, um, as, as many of, of us did, Joan, uh, Scott, um, Lynn, you know, we, we all worked for a company called ACT that uh, Kent started with Carsey Denning. And, you know, ACT was a really strong um, a software company that, um, that built out, you know, first DOS and then a Windows system. And so I would say very much the idea, the original idea, kind of came from that, that shared experience. Uh, my name is Scott Carpenter, and I'm the SVP of Strategic Relationships. In December of 1999, um, I talked with Kent and Lee and found out they were going to do something different. And uh, I've worked with Kent and Lee previously, and I wanted to be a part of it. And so it was these shared experiences that kind of came together right at the time when the internet sort of, uh, you know, took off. That those late 90s, and we we didn't have the fancy terms like cloud and SaaS, but we we sort of knew intuitively that uh, this uh, you know air quote internet thing would uh, you know somehow change the game. And so I actually came to Kent you know with the original idea. Uh, Kent had the um, experience and the uh, you know the background of starting a company. I had a passion to start a company one day. 
Scott talks a little bit more about the people we originally set out to serve, facilities and maintenance, technicians, managers, directors, who had to either do their work on pen and paper and sticky notes or deal with a server-based system that was often expensive and hard to install and keep up. I always would hear that we can't afford um, to keep changing all these databases. We can't afford this server. We can't afford, you know, all these licenses. So um, when Kent and Lee approached me about um, using the web and really being in the cloud, we, we were in the cloud before it was cool, you know. Nobody even had that terminology at the time. And I realized because I'd been in sales since 91 working with schools at that time, so eight, nine years I've been working and realized that was the major hang-up was we just can't afford it. And so when they told me their business plan, I was like, I'm all in. I want to go do this. Plus, Kent and Lee are just fantastic people and great to work for and very successful entrepreneurs, and I just wanted to be a part of that. There were things around software then was just too hard, too complicated. Um, You know, you had to send a team of people in, fly them in to... Uh, sometimes fight with IT and and spend a week on site to, you know, air quote, install um, on-premise systems. And and it was, uh, the result of that was that it was just too difficult for most of the market to to access uh, software. And and so we had this, this concept about how the internet would make that easier. Um, it would, you know, it, it just it's just there. It's a service. You don't have to deal with servers and complicated, you know, technology. And and we had this uh, belief that it would really expand the market and expand um, the uh, accessibility to not just the big, you know, organizations that had sophistication uh, and budgets. Carsey Denning. Uh, uh, was the first um, that I know of that used internet technology. Uh, it was at Winston-Salem Forsyth uh, schools um, in Winston-Salem. Carsey used a internet server to solve the problem of the the remote request from you know average users, the the teachers, the faculty, and. Had, had frankly, you know, tried many other approaches, uh, you know, and this is this was back in a world where, you know, you had dial-up modems and you had, uh, you know, proprietary networks. And Carsey had tried to solve this problem, you know, with, with other approaches, but it was this, uh, this Internet approach that, that sort of opened up a management system from that one solo user in the basement to um, to everyone you know who's in who's in the organization you know and, and this 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 whole concept of a collaborative system and workflow and being able to to make assignment to mobile users at all you know s- sort of was unleashed by uh, by this internet uh, capability and so I, you know we were very inspired by what uh, what Carsey and Kent were able to do there at ACT. And we felt like we could do it on a bigger scale by focusing and starting over and kind of creating it from from the ground up, you know, on uh, kind of a pure internet canvas, if you will. My name is Carsey Denning, and I'm the Building Automation Product Manager. All of a sudden, Lee Prevo gave Kent a call, and 
Lee said, I've got an idea for a great company. And Lee does his research very well. And uh, we knew that if Lee had an idea, that it was well worth the time to listen. And Lee suggested that we take what we had built in the previous company and design the applications in order that they run on the web instead of a client server base that we had had. And uh, so that that's really how everything started. At that time, it was just Lee, Kent, and I, and it was just an idea. So we decided to start trying to build this company and bring it together and we started picking up the phone and, and calling we called um, Scott Carpenter I flew down to Florida Scott was at a show I said Scott we want to start a company and Scott was on board I mean that was all that I said I didn't we didn't talk salaries we didn't talk anything and Scott said I'm on board let's go and um we also did that with um, uh, John Maddox and um, also Lynn Boswell. Um, you know, I left a place that was owned by an um, energy company and uh, had to tell my family, well, I'm quitting that job and I'm going to work for a place called The Dude. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, it was a little different. When I walked into the, the first day, um, you know, we didn't have work orders or energy or facilities. We didn't have any of that. And um, so I was walking around with Lee, and I said, tell me again how we're going to make money. So, you know, I was, uh, and he goes, you took the job. I said, yeah, I took the job because of you you and Kent uh, more than I did in my trust in you more than I did of, uh, of, you know, the actual business plan. But then we sat down, and we really worked on a business plan and, uh, you know, to move forward with, the educational clients and to be successful and and to do it in a way that they could budget it yearly versus having to take a big capital expenditure. If you're wondering where the dude name came from, Lee shares some insight on what the goals were when they came up with the name originally. How did the dude name come up? We we had a uh, one of the things we were going for is is when we we wanted a name that when we said the name it would make you smile. And we, we also wanted to name, you know, a lot of people um, name, name their companies, you know, after themselves or, you know, some egotistical acronym that no one can remember. And, and then, you know, the, the memorable names that were of the, of the net or of the Internet um, were things like Yahoo. You know, Google was in beta then. You know, these were catchy, memorable names, and, and so we went for something that was catchy and memorable, but we also went for something that really, our target client, you know, uh, that there was some emotional attachment to sort of how they felt um, in, in an organization, you know, in, in our initial uh, vertical, the school market, uh, the, the maintenance professional sometimes feels like a second-class citizen in the world of academia, and uh, so we, we wanted to sort of attach to um, this uh, and, and be empathetic to uh, sort of how 
um, our our client felt because we were we were trying to enable them to overcome those uh, sometimes biases and so we were we were kind of their uh, their uh, their arm or their um, you know their their second uh, uh, team you know that that enabled them to overcome those stereotypes. So the dude uh, we went for memorable. We also were advised. Uh, by our clients that uh, uh, we gave them a list of names. Um, we did have some hand sketches. We've got uh, we've got some early logos that uh, you would you would laugh about. That we had a, a college student at East Tennessee State University that sketched out uh, some of the original logos and and concepts that uh, and and one really took and that's the uh, that was the original you know the dude. With how new this technology was, Lee says it wasn't without its obstacles. So we were at this conference. It was a school buildings and grounds conference, and we had uh, most of the uh, the people that came to our booth were excited. And but we were handing out these screen scrapers, and they had our logo on it. And a screen scraper is something you attach to your monitor back then. The old you know, CRT monitors, and you would use it to scrape the dust off your screen. And we would, you know, attach it to their monitor so they'd think about us. And we had this guy that came up to our booth, and he said, um, he says, we don't have any computers in our in our school district. Do you think that would work on our TV? And, you know, I remember going home um, shocked, uh, horrified, you know, the one thing you have to have for this business to work is a computer and access to the internet. And I went home, called my wife and said, I think we're too early. So, uh, you know, that was the other side of the excitement was, uh, you know, we had, we had many, um, obstacles that we had to overcome, you know, in the early days of, uh, you know, this was still back in the dial up, uh, era. Google was in beta digital cameras were not present. You know, the idea of uh, always own internet was, was, was early. When we started, uh, within the first year, we formed our executive team, our original executive team, uh, two women, three men. We had uh, Joan Maddox, um, who led our vice president of client services. We had Lynn Boswell, who, um, who led our uh, engineering technology efforts. Uh, Scott Carpenter, who uh, led our sales team, also, uh, you know, Kent and I, and then we, we had some early employees. I remember we were probably at, uh, by the end of the first year, into the second year, uh, you know, maybe five or six, five or six people. We didn't have any office space, so Kent had an apartment not very far from here. And um, we never tried never to go in his bedroom, but we uh, wired that apartment for, um, I remember setting up the network for several workstations and we had a, uh, ended up having a T1 line brought in and, and um, things started happening. Um, and it was just, uh, it was, Everybody knew everyone because we'd worked together for so long. And uh, everybody had a great work ethic. Um, and we, we really enjoyed what we did. And um, we knew that if Kent and Lee and Scott 
were part of it, that it was something, that it was going to be good. We had cubes in one bedroom, and then we had uh, the main living room was where our accounting office was, and then we had uh, upstairs loft where the two salespeople sat. But it was uh, it was a little bit different. And then we did an interview with the News and Observer, and they realized that we were working out of a <laughs> – the city realized we were working out of an apartment, and they kicked us out. So – uh, so we, we quickly, uh, you know, graduated from the apartment to a to a first office that was in, in Raleigh, and then we moved again um, into uh, a um, office on the other side of Highway One um, there in Edinburgh. Uh, so that that was probably in year four or five. We should have probably written a journal because. We went to so many places. I think we were on the road like 220 days that year or some crazy thing. Um, we went We went to all kinds of trade shows. Um, you know, we introduced the dude mascot um, at, at these trade shows and would take pictures with people just hoping to get an email and a phone number so we could call them back. And um, So we did a lot of crazy things in the beginning. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing was these clients are really good people and we had a software, we had an idea that could help them do their jobs and we had really good service. So that helped us be successful. If you're intrigued by the mention of the dude mascot, make sure you stay tuned for more stories later in the episode. I would tell you a story. We were sitting around the kitchen table in the apartment and I said, well, Kent, you know, what, what does success look like? And Kent said, well, if you could you could ever get us to $50,000 a month, we're going to be successful. Well, now our quote is like, uh, you know, a million or two million a month, so two million a month. So, you know, but it, it was a goal that Kent set, an achievable goal that didn't seem, it was, it's, at the time it seemed like, wow, we're not going to be able to do that. But um, we worked hard and we figured it out and we sold a lot of systems um, and, and became successful. Uh, I will tell you that when we first went into market, it, you know, I would say a milestone is people made fun of the dude. They made fun of the name. And you work for who and what? And after that first year, after Lee and I had done our road show and talked to people and people found out what we were about and who we were, um, everybody knew our name. Everybody, oh, there's the dudes, you know, and, and, and everybody um, respected us. And we had really a lot of the thought leaders across the nation that, that were were early adopters that sort of joined. You know, then it was a subscription fee, and this was as we were building out some of our other pieces to the business model. Lee dives in a little bit more about how the original technology was created. Uh, Lynn built the original technology. Um, we, we had some, some early contractors that, that helped, but Lynn... Uh, Lynn sort of formalized that into a professional, you know, engineering team that, um, that Lynn, you know, built out and built the original, you know, classic products on, uh, as well as some of the early online community. And so then we didn't have things like Amazon Web Services or Google, you know, Google Cloud or Azure. We, we had to build a lot of our early infrastructure, including the servers and the software applications and so forth, we had to build our own cloud uh, then. It was time when Kent felt the time was right to bring automation to the dude. 
he he told me he would let me know, and um, he he called me and and said, "Hey, it's time. We want you to do some stuff." And and I said, "Okay." So I had met um, a young man by the name of Brian Bell. Brian had went to school at uh, Wake Forest with my son, and Brian, very sharp young man. So Brian was doing the programming, going to do and going to do the programming, and we were going to build a device that allowed us to uh, create a work order when a specific condition occurred. And we were also going to turn on the air conditioning or turn on the heating when somebody scheduled an event. My name is Brian Bell, Vice President of Strategy. You know, School Dude had the first pure SAS, what we now know as SAS, we didn't even use that term at that time. Um, but they had the first type of product in, in the market like that. And it was just, an, to me, I loved to build things and I, I loved to solve problems. And there wasn't anything that you could just pull off the shelf at the time to say, how do I make this event scheduling product um, website connect to a, a building control system that doesn't know anything about the Internet? I mean, the, we were talking to technology at the time that was essentially the same over the last you know, the prior 20 years uh, where it was a lot of wired systems and, um, you know, some of the schools that we were uh, starting to work with even had pneumatic, you know, air-controlled, you know, totally dumb devices that um, would would never know the Internet and would require, you know, additional things to be connected to it in order for it to kind of bridge that gap to technology. Brian and I, we were able to build the device, but we had no business background or history because that worked very well but with this new situation we needed somebody else and so I called another friend and that person was Tom Knox. I'm Tom Knox, Chief Revenue Officer. Yeah, so funny story. Um, In 1997, Kent and I first got introduced to each other and then in 99, he showed up, I remember where I was standing, and he showed up and said, Lee and I are going to start selling software over the Internet. And I remember looking at him and saying, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Um, as you know, Google was not even around. The Internet wasn't what it is. So, uh, so anyway, I let them play around with that until 2004. In 2004, I ended up joining the party and we started Facility Dude, which was a subsidiary of the company at that point to take the applications to other vertical markets. Although the original company School Dude served educational organizations, Facility Dude set out to serve government organizations as well as membership-based organizations and eventually healthcare, senior living, and manufacturing organizations. When we first got into this, we were using 300 bald modems. And um, that was about as fast as you could go. You could actually see the screen being drawn line by line on it. And uh, I'll never forget that. And we had all these great ideas about being able for a teacher to make a work request 
and instead of having to call up the maintenance department. And so Kent had, he specced out a product and the, and the number one spec he gave me was that all of the instructions had to be written on one page, front and back. All the directions, all the documentation and everything. So um, it was some pretty small font, but we got it done. Uh, sometimes it was easy, sometimes it was difficult. Um, Scott Carpenter and I, uh, and, and then later uh, Kent joined us full-time. Um, we, we spent, uh, you know, a couple hundred days a year on the road. We, we uh, you know, back then this was before 9-11, so you could take uh, huge trade show booths on airplanes. And, you know, we, we very much leveraged the trade show uh, tactic. We, we had... Uh, uh, gosh, in the early years, we were doing a couple hundred trade shows a year. It, within the first five years, I think Lee and I sold the first 100 before we hired a salesperson. And we wanted to prove the, the concept and that we could actually, you know, have a successful, sustainable business. And so we sold 100, and then we hired our first salesperson, and that was Bob Bogardis. And he's he was uh, he worked with us previously, and he was up in Boston, and we hired him on 100% commission. So he didn't he didn't get a salary, he didn't have benefits, he didn't have anything. He just got paid for what he sold. Well, that lasted about three months, and we had to change to giving him a salary and benefits because Bob was just selling so much of it. He was selling it like crazy. We couldn't afford to pay him because he was getting a big high percentage, you know, uh, of commission. Scott Little is the Associate Executive Director of the Michigan School Business Officials, one of the early partners of School Dude. We call the Michigan School Business Officials MSBO is kind of the acronym that we use, and in 2001 or two, somewhere around there, we first saw School Dude come and present at our conference. I think they had 11 employees in those days. So they came and some of our members started to embrace the product and it started to grow pretty quickly. David Marcus has a longtime client and campus business manager for D Toledo High School. I would say the interesting thing that I find about the dude, or one of them, is I've been a dude wannabe for many years, and I'll call it 2003 or so, when we first started our school, and um, we didn't have a campus. So at that time, there was no real reason for um, using any of the dude solutions. But I would go to um, different conferences. Um, they'd be doing presentations about this product from School Dude, and it's like, whoa, this is cool. I can't wait to use this. And um, finally, about seven or so years ago, um, when we did purchase our first campus, um, that's when we were able to uh, say, now we've got the need, let's get it as fast as possible. Here's longtime employee Scott Hare. So when I started with the company, um, it was actually in 2002. So I've been with the company almost 17 years. We... The landscape looked a com completely different than it does today. Um, probably had about less than 30 employees. It was schooldude.com. We actually did have the .com back there. Well, the, the funny thing is, is that I actually, the only open position was you know, managing the front desk at that time. Um, and when I interviewed with Kent, Kent goes, 
you're a salesperson. I said, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing. And he goes, well, I'm not going to put you in a front desk role if you're a salesperson. So he hired me on as a salesperson. The things that interest me and excited me are still the things that interest me and excite me today. It's really helping our clients. It's the people that we're serving. I mean, these folks are underserved. They're underappreciated. And they do so much good for everybody within their organization. Um, and, and really, you know, the other attribute, Kent's vision um, and the way he was so innovative of looking at things completely different, taking a chance and building something, you know, at the, on the Internet. Because that's, you know, the old tagline was like e-commerce, e-cool. Um, you know, do more with less. I mean, those were some of the old things because at the time period, um, we were we were groundbreaking. Again, we were part of that dot com period and survived the dot com period. We found that um, the market was very receptive to this. Uh, you know, what's known today as cloud or SaaS. We, we didn't really lead with technology, but what we led with was that it was easy to get up and running fast, simple. You didn't need uh, the technology team to hook up servers and deal with security and loading service packs and, you know, all the scary um, things that uh, you used to have to do to uh, install software. And uh, we were uh, received... Initially, slowly, we, we found a couple of states that, uh, that had some problems. Um, that, uh, for example, we had uh, in the state of New Jersey, we had a, uh, a law called NJAC 624 that required the maintenance department to prove they were maintaining the facilities in order to get state funding and state capital. And so we we very much focused on some of those early, we called them catalysts, but they were uh, sort of regulatory requirements that required, um, uh, that were pain and and problems for, you know, our our early clients. And we we made it easy for them to uh, report and comply, you know, with with some of those those regulatory requirements. So our our early days were very focused on, on a few states and, and getting traction in those states and very much through their um, professional organizations. You know, I can think back to in my sales career as a um, more of an individual contributor. Um, one of the, the biggest highlights of my career was I handled the state of Arizona. We still, to, to this day, have about 70% of the student population using our applications. And Scottsdale Unified School District was a, a stronghold. They had a competitive system in place. And their superintendent and wasn't going to, he didn't want to um, put the, you know, the risk out there to go with a, a SaaS-based solution. But over time and just, I think, a lot of relationship and trust, we were able to convince him. And one of the one of his guys uh, during the presentation asked, said, "Scott, can you send me the dude suit?" I went, "What? What do you mean? What do you What do you want with the dude suit?" He goes, "We have the board presentation in the next couple of days." 
and I want to use and wear or the, the dude suit during the board presentation. So I overnighted the dude suit to him. I have pictures of that. I have pictures of the contract, the, you know, the envelope that it was sitting in. And, you know, seeing that finally happen, it was like, ah, it's like one of those most challenging, but it was most rewarding experiences, you know. You know, to me, you know, seeing a client want it that bad and go to that length, um, just, you know, it was reassuring that we're all doing the right thing. I would say the growth went from, you know, uh, you talk about milestones, you know, it, it was when we sold our first, you know, 100 clients in a, in, in a month, you know, that was a, that was a big, that was a big milestone. Um, when we had our first $100,000 sale, I mean, that was a big milestone. I think if you look at the top 400 districts, we have 295 of them. So from having none of them to, to own in the market right now is, is, is pretty, you know, it's, it, it was a good strategy to start small and then move upstream. I remember the first quarter we created, and I remember the first... Um, facility scheduling event we had, those were milestones. Well, I think deciding what other verticals we were going to be committed to, to play in was a big one. Clearly capitalizing the company, so we were bootstrapped until February of 2014. So in the summer of 2013 at our executive offsite, when we made the decision we were going to capitalize the company, that was a major milestone. And then recently here with uh, transition from Warburg to Clear Lake is, a, is another major. Our very own dude evangelist, Josh Peach, weighs in on the original vision of the company. When I sat down with Kent back in 2004, he laid up, he, he, it was like he had a crystal ball. You know, he predicted 10,000 clients. He predicted the size of the company, the, you know, a lot of those things. And, and a lot of them back then, it was crazy to think about. It was crazy to think we didn't even know what there was no such thing as software as a service. We weren't even the cloud at that point. It was like on-demand software or something. I can't remember what we called it. But um, to be here today, where SaaS is the only way to go, to you know subscription-based software, the processes that we we started, the webinars. Nobody was doing webinars in, in you know 2004. We, we created the kind of the webinar in our industry anyway. We created the webinar sales um, piece where people were still, you know, going out on site and fighting all that stuff. So our, I believe our success came in the fact that all of us at an early point in this really believed in what we were doing. And I think that the people that are here now, all 660 of them, I think they believe in what we're doing. And I think that the next 660 will too. And that's my hope anyway. So, um, Find purpose and, and, and then share your passion and don't be scared because the world wants to see it. So I know we do. You know, we, we knew we had something um, when, when people would say, wow, I got it up and running in an afternoon, you know, or wow, I uh, was able to use this to justify, you know, two more people on my staff. Uh, to a um, maintenance organization, we would really impact sort of the customer service perception with this collaborative internet platform where it made it easy to get feedback to the 
customer, you know, the customer being a citizen or a teacher or a, uh, you know, city manager, getting that feedback back to that customer saying your work order has been, you know, submitted and it's scheduled or it's, it's even saying no is, is better than what, what people used to call the black hole. You know, I put my work order in, it never comes out. And so we, when we started getting back these stories about solving this perception gap, you know, we really knew we had something. We want to make our clients heroes in every aspect. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is that the better job we do at maintaining the facilities, especially in the education market, the better job that we do at maintaining those facilities, the better job those educators are going to be able to do on educating the children that we have. Some of our clients um, have done a great job at explaining all that, how much it's meant to them, and uh, that's meant a lot to us too. So anytime we can do something to, to help them save a dollar or to make things run more efficiently, we feel pretty good about that. I really feel like we make a difference in what we do, and we work with great people that don't always get the respect and don't always get the, the glory that they deserve. You know, it's not a glorified job. You know, I really appreciate our clients, and I feel like we help them every day. And, you know, when you help these people, um, they are so thankful, and they tell you. And, you know, um, it, it just it makes it really easy when you work at a place that, that you have great people that you work with every day, but you also have great clients that you serve. It just makes it, um, it's made it very easy for me. I mean, you talk about 20 years, it's gone by really fast. You know, I, I remember I was talking to a custodian one day, and, and, you know, we had just started where they could do work orders and they could go in and do requests and start doing things. And, and he told me that, you know, he was able to go home and talk to his kid who was really into computers. And he said, I, for the first time in my life, I was able to go home and tell my son that I was working on a computer. And I was actually talking to my son about using technology. Uh, I actually went as a guest to do you down at Myrtle Beach. And when I was down there, um, a guy was standing beside me who happened to be an ex-military guy, and he was telling me about some of his uh, trials in the military. And I was sitting there thinking this was one of the toughest individuals I'd ever met in my life. And 15 minutes later, he was up on stage talking to us about how the dude had changed his life since he had been back, and he was actually able to keep his job, keep his people's job, and for the first time in uh, in his life, he was actually able to go watch his kid play baseball. And there were probably three or 400 people in tears, and I was like, okay, this is a pretty powerful message about what impact this has on people's lives. Client service has always been a bedrock for the dude and a differentiator that all started with the legacy of Joan Maddox. She passed away in 2013. Joan, uh, I believe, coined the term legendary client service and um, very much taught us all that you don't, call, you don't call the customer a customer, you call them a client because a client, you know, a client's more like your best friend. Customer is just someone you did a transaction with. And so Joan 
really was um, sort of an early heart of the organization. She was also kind of a stabilizer of the organization. So we, Joan was educated uh, through the Ritz-Carlton you know, process uh, uh, where, where you just delight the client. And so one of the things that um, was very important to uh, and led by Joan was this whole user experience. And it was much broader than just a software and UI. It was it was you know the whole experience. Like what? How did how did you feel when you go to did you? You know what was the experience like? And and what was what was your experience when you call in on the phone? You know things like the th- the third ring. You know we want someone to be able to talk to a, a real person who who really understands the environment that uh, for that for that client and where they're calling from you know that whole user experience is is all the touch points so we we called it you know it was high touch you know it was it was not just high tech it was high touch where where we really wanted that client to have great user experience and it was more than just the software jed DeGroote was one of the first outside hires on the client services team you know, we were passionate about doing the right thing for each other and for our clients. Um, and that was something that Joan instilled and something that Kent and Lee and Scott and Lynn, all the founders, really instilled in our core values. We learned from an early time on that the dude believed in delivering an overwhelming value prop um, and that we delivered on that because it was beneficial to our clients and then we could succeed as a business. In fact, the only way we could really succeed long term is to deliver an overwhelming value prop so we weren't trying to shortchange clients or get them on the system and not, and then just leave them hanging high and dry. It was like, no, we've got we to really deliver um, something that makes a difference in their work lives and everything. So we were passionate about that mission. You know, see a need, fill a need was kind of the motto back then. So we all wore lots of hats. Um, there wasn't a support division. There wasn't an implementation division. There wasn't a training division. There was a client services division, and all 14 of us did everything. So we would consult, we would go on-site, we would conduct trainings, um, we would do support. So in between trainings, when we weren't on a two-hour web conference with a client, we were picking up calls coming in for password resets or whatever else. So we we just did everything, and, and you had to do that as a small business. You had to hustle, and you had to wear a lot of different hats. Pat Buchanan was another early employee. Well... I guess initially when I started with the company, we were um, very small. We only had about 10 employees, um, so we were very collaborative. Uh, everybody, almost everybody did every, every job in the company. Um, I answered the phones a lot, so our goal was to always have a live person answer the phone. So with only about 10 of us, every time the phone rang, if it rang over the second ring, then everybody was just going for the phone and answering the phone. So we all had a... Uh, voice of how to answer the call and where how to direct so we always knew the the phone system yeah three rings yeah that was famous kent hudson our founder and, and former ceo um and i learned this the first week i was in the office too but yeah you picked up the phone within three rings because kent was uh and scott carpenter probably did this too and lee but would go on sales calls and he would tell him hey look if you call up our call center they'll pick it up within three rings and he wanted to make sure that we did. He, so he would routinely do that. He would call and or have the prospect call up, and we'd have to pick up in three rings. The Dude Legendary support team today still answers every phone call within three rings, and support emails are all answered within an hour. 
Kent and I went on a couple of sales calls with a with a very large client of ours, and I can remember us walking to the parking lot with a multi-year, multi-million dollar purchase order, him looking at me and say, don't high-five until we're in the car because they might be looking out the window. And we got in the car and we both looked at each other and said, you know what? They haven't ever even seen our products. They just bought into the vision and the mission and the change that we can bring to this thing. We sold the vision and the value and the impact that we can make and ended up with uh, uh, one of the biggest deals we've ever had. And I get, there's a lot of stories like that where um, we, our team has done a great job of value selling what it is we do and more importantly, what it is our clients end up doing with our software. So I think we probably have a lot of stories where we can tell that we've empowered the clients to change their lives and their business. Um, And at the root, those are the ones that, that make me the most happy. D. Millsaps has been a longtime employee in the accounting department. I mean, everybody seemed like family. You know, that's what drew me here is that You know, the people were close, they knew each other, and we used to have quarterly birthdays. We'd celebrate in Dude Hall, and we could all fit in Dude Hall, (laughs) but um, we would have a big birthday cake and celebrate the the birthdays in that quarter. Whenever Joan was going through her cancer, the guys all shaved their head, and we did that in Dude Hall. She's made a big impact on the company, and she'll never be forgot, you know, because of all she did and her dedication and her... um, wanting to, to please the clients, and we're here for the clients. It's pretty hard to talk to most student employees or clients without bringing up Dude University, our annual operations conference that's been going on since 2001. I mean, I started getting nostalgic, thinking about 20 years of the Dude, and um, you know all the, the close friends and colleagues I've made over the years and everything. Dude University, that Myrtle Beach, that was always a special time, and... Uh, you know, it was even back then. It's not as big as it is now, but it was still the largest educational operations um, conference in the country, and really kind of one of a kind for maintenance directors and their administrators to come down and um, just immerse themselves in professional development and best practices from their peers. Obviously, a lot of software training and best practices session as well. But we would take the whole company, so we we would leave on Friday afternoon and caravan down. You know whatever it was, 80 of us or 100 of us later on, and kind of take over um, the Kingston Plantation there at Myrtle Beach and everything. And, and we'd shut down from Sunday. Well, we would be there. The, we'd get there Friday, Saturday. The conference would start on Sunday through Wednesday. Support would shut down for those three days, so we didn't have enough people to do ongoing support and everything. Um, and everybody taught classes. Everybody just did everything we could to make it an awesome experience for our clients and everything. And uh, I remember, I mean, those were long days. You're getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get the lab ready, um, whether it's taping down cables and setting up laptops and everything to clients start showing up at 7.30, and you're working with them from 7.30 till about 7 o'clock at night. Um, And then you're going out with clients and hanging out because they they worked hard and they spent their money to get down there from all over around the country, so we want to show them a good time. And by Wednesday, we were all so dog-tired, and we would be... You know, some unlucky 
person would have to drive back when the vans, you know, we'd get a couple people and everybody else would be snoozing on the way back. But you'd feel like you just want to go home and see your family and relax. And it was like, nope, we got clients that need help still. So we'd get back about two o'clock, we'd come to the office and jump on the emails and jump on the phones and start responding to everybody that we couldn't get to the previous two and a half days. Our first one was 2001, but we had a small group and we were in Myrtle Beach. We hired a um, river boat that uh, that picked us up at um, the uh, Barefoot Landing, and and we had you know drinks and a little presentation and and some hors d'oeuvres, um, and and then you know that that became uh, I think that rolled into the first annual uh, uh, then called School Dude University, and and then over time became Dude University. There's a lot of value to bring clients together, for them to meet us, for, um, for them to get hands-on in a lab. While Dude University started out with 50 to 100 people, its most recent one in 2019 was held at the Raleigh Convention Center and hosted 1,000. Here's some thoughts from some longtime clients about what makes Dude University special. Well, your first conference experience with the dude is completely different. I remember that first year in Myrtle Beach. It's not like going to a conference. It's um, it's going to where basically you're, you're meeting family that you met over, you know, talking to them on the phone and developing your product. Uh, the customer service with Dude Solutions is, is something that you don't experience anywhere else. I mean, you can meet those folks in person. Yeah, and people know you. Um, the original folks that helped sell me back five, six years ago, or however long we've been with the dude, are still here. They know your name, and when you walk in the door, they know who you are. And then it's really fun bringing new employees into this atmosphere because they go to other conferences, and, you know, other conferences are just that. It's a conference, but here it's more of a learning experience. It's a tool to be able to find people that can do stuff that you don't know how to do, and you literally call these people and keep, you know, keep in touch with them throughout the year, and then you're excited to see them back next year. So certainly I've seen the numbers grow and grow, and now here it's it's a full-blown convention center kind of conference, which I'm, I'm familiar with being in an association. So that's, that's really cool. And for me personally to have the opportunity to speak at an event like this, it's really fun because there are folks that haven't heard my message before. Dude University is fabulous. I leave here with more ideas than I can possibly implement. And I always learn something, usually something I didn't expect to learn. I come with, I want to know this and this, and I leave with 12 other things. Um, the dude cares for their clients more than I have seen from many, many, many other companies. And when we come, um, we feel welcome. We feel like you really want to be here. You really want to understand what we're fighting so that you can make a solution that can help us. Um, and that interaction is priceless, to be able to get that. And then meeting everybody that you meet and making new contacts um, and seeing how they're using things. It is one of the best conferences I've ever been to in all the years I've worked. John Dufay of Albuquerque Public Schools has been a client since almost the beginning. We've been using School Dude really from day one almost. Lee and, and Scott I've been dealing with since then, and I think we started using parts of 
school dude of that time uh, back in 2002, 2003, and then went full bore in 2004. I, I come with an open mind. It doesn't matter how many dudes. I think this is my 14th or something like that, 50. But everyone I learn, I've learned something new at, you know, from, from the people at, at Dude Solutions as well as people who are out there. They found those things. Hey, I'm doing this. Like, wow, that's cool. And take a little bit of that back, you know. And, and as long as we're doing the right things, that it's for kids and, and, and making a better environment. And that's what really Dude Solutions does for us is it... it does all the data, it does all the things, it does all the predicting, we can look at all that. But more than anything else, is it it makes us a much better operation than without it. We I I have to attribute our success is a lot of has to do with dude solutions and it's not because they're home. it's they give us the tool to where we can do some things that more than anything is we make a difference at the school. Yeah. We, we made a difference in every one of those classrooms. Probably one of the most popular things that people wanted to talk to me about when talking about 20 years of the dude is the dude costume or mascot or suit. It's been around almost as long as the company has. Um, I believe the first time it was worn was uh, in a grocery store in, in Harnett County. Carsey wore it into the grocery store. Of course he did. I ordered from from Sugar Mascots in Toronto, Canada. The dude did good. He he um, he was a lot of fun. And at one time, there was actually um, a cooling suit that you could wear. And I don't know what happened to it. Well, there was a story. When we were first starting the dude, we went to our first national show, which was the AASA conference in San Francisco. We went to a restaurant called the Stinking Rose. And the Stinking Rose, let's just say, their main product is garlic. And they have one thing on their item called 40 clove chicken. If you've ever worn the, worn the dude suit, you know it gets hot. And um, I remember after about two hours, a lady came up and Everybody used to love to put their arms around the dude. He's just a lovable character. And he put, she put their arms around the dude, and she quickly came back, and she said, dude's been eating garlic. And, and, and that's, I think, part of being a dude, is that Kent and Scott and, I mean, Lee, they all expect everyone to do their best at what they do but they place a high emphasis, too, on enjoying what we do. And that makes a difference. When we first got into healthcare, we went to the Healthcare Engineering of, uh, Society trade show, and we had a booth, and I remember calling the guy who ran the trade show and saying, we're going to bring the dude, our mascot, with us. And he said, no, you can't do that. And I said, well... If he stays in our booth, because we were we had an extended booth, we're going to bring him. And he said, okay, fine. We did, and he stayed in the booth the first day, but all the our, our booth was the most attended booth in the uh, whole thing. And this is a big event. 
So the guy who ran the event actually came up to us and asked if the second day we could walk him around the floor as long as he was chaperoned, so we did. By the end of the second day, he asked if we could have the dude at the entrance greeting everybody that came in the third day. So kind of funny about the name and the story about how people sometimes first react versus once they get to know who the dude is and the impact that it has. My dad, who is uh, now passed, but he was a uh, big supporter of the dude. I remember in an early trade show, we were, were short-staffed. Scott Carpenter and I were going to the uh, Tennessee School Plant Managers Conference in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and we stopped by my parents' house and picked my dad up, and, Dad, you have to be the dude. You have to be the mascot. And Dad is six foot three, and he was so proud and excited about the, you know being um, you know being the dude mascot what's so hard about it that my dad could not do is you know the rules are you can't speak you, when you put the dude mascot on you have to stay in character just like the Disney you know characters do you never speak because that would take the whole mystique away and my dad could not make himself not speak so when, when people would come up to the dude they would say, how are you doing? And he would answer them back. And we, we had to tell him, Dad, you can't talk. You can't talk. But he was, it was such a memory for him. And he wore the, the dude T-shirts and early memorabilia proudly and, you know, was one of our early dude uh, mascots. Another change or milestone for the dude came when Ed Rossage took over as CEO in late 2017. You know, the recruiter called me, talked about the company, what they did, didn't mention the name of the company. I was like, oh, cool. What, what's the name of that? And then she started laughing. She's like, you're not going to believe this. It's a company called Dude. And I was like, I'm in. Like, I want to know more. Um, I'd been living on the West Coast for forever, and uh, everybody calls everybody out there Dude. I thought it was cool. But first off, our founders, Kent and Lee, the, the ethos, the what was important to them as they built the company, um, that was unique. And n not only the, the people, cultural aspects, but to say, hey, look, we're going to put work order management software on the Internet. Like, that was 20 years ago. Google's about the same age we are. Like, this was just a, a nascent, you know, early market. They didn't even call it SaaS software back then. And, you know, so to me, there's a huge respect uh, for the founder ethos. Very few companies, when they start with a particular vertical and stay in that vertical for so long, are able to make the leap over the fence to another vertical like government and then do it again with like healthcare, and then do it again with like manufacturing. And so I think that um, that is interesting. I think there's a there's a myriad of of, of milestones or celebration points. I think, you know, financially, you know, the company crossed a big threshold last year. We got a, on a hundred million dollar run rate. And for a software company, um, a business, let alone a software company, that's rare air. So I think that's something that I don't think folks truly understand the, well, that's pretty rare and you're, it's pretty interesting. I think the Second thing I would say, you know, again, probably along the lines of a boring metric, but to crest, 
you know, over 10,000 client organizations, 3 million logins potentially, uh, all of the, those sort of metrics are really impressive. And, and we, we had this, uh, we thought, audacious, ambitious goal of, of a billion-dollar impact. And we, we didn't stop to think about, you know, is that an annual thing or is that a cumulative thing? And we actually achieved both we, uh, probably within the first 10 years where we made a billion-dollar impact initially, you know, in education and then in government and and now I think we're probably doing that, uh, you know, like each month. You don't get to book a hundred million without providing great value and great service and great user experience. And we have uh, sort of proven that we can help people, you know, uh, bring in um, dollars for their capital budgets. We've we've proven that we can help people justify their staffs that they can save energy, that they can, you know, uh, do the things with our tools and our technology. They can lead their organization and make a better place. There have been, you know, when I sit there and look back, um, there have been so many different contributors to that history. You know, you, you sit there and you think about the Lynn Boswells, the Jane Maddoxes, um, folks that, you know, put their blood, heart, sweat and tears into building the foundation. Um, you know, Scott Carpenter. There are a lot of folks that they could have done other things, but again, they were bought into the mission. They believed what, what they were doing. We want to look forward, but we also want to make sure that we are remembering that past because it keeps us humble. It keeps us focused on the things that we want, we need, that are core to the dude way, if you will. And I think that we are doing a great job of trying to keep that alive. Thank you again so much for joining this episode on the history of the dude. And please make sure you don't miss episode 101 and 102, the second and third part of this three-part podcast series. Thank you for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing bspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.